Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. It should go without saying, I am Andrew Lewis, and with me to talk AFL, yes, Putty is back here to greet me like an old friend, as Greg Champion once sang. Um, and back to greet me like an old friend that he is, is uh, our resident AFL expert, Cameron McDonald. How are you doing, Cameron? G'day, Punny. How are you going? You're pumped. We're nine nine days away as we record this on Tuesday, the 7th of March. So we're nine days away from the the back to being the traditional season opener between uh, Richmond and Carlton. I am pumped. I am pumped. You know, and I, I, I feel like, the country's pumped, you know. There's been good numbers along to some of these preseason fixtures, and um, you can just sense it bubbling away. Um, maybe it's a, you know, relatively uncompetitive summer of Test cricket, but I, I, I sense that um, I sense there's an appetite. Yeah, um, I believe they're still playing that Geelong Hawthorne uh, match simulation. Uh, they're up to the 47th quarter <laughs> of that game. That was a little. I mean, the ridiculous. In the St Kilda Melbourne one, they, they the umpires went home after six quarters, so they played a seventh quarter with I think um, Water Boys with Bibbs paying free kicks. It was almost defence calls fouls, but um, I'm not sure if anyone got hurt in that seventh quarter or not. But um, it was a little here and there that uh, that first week of um, sort of open training and all that sort of thing. But then one practice match, it does sneak up on you now. I mean, I can remember a time which is probably a little a long a longer time ago than you think but back in uh, as late as 2002 um the teams that played the pre-season grand final would play five practice match would play five pre-season cup matches because there were there were there was a group stage um for 3 years so each team got guaranteed three practice matches then a semi-final and a final so um it's hard to believe that the ANZ cup Certainly, two thousand and two thousand and one with the Ansett Cup. I think come two thousand and two, Ansett had uh, gone to corporate heaven. So, I think it was the Wizard Cup in two thousand and two for a few years there, culminating in, of course, Lenny Hayes in two thousand and four and Grant Thomas being so so pleased. Uh, Grant Thomas is on Twitter advocating for no preseason matches and looking at his face that night. It's hard to hard to um. Fail to understand how he feels about the preseason, um, but I guess the season proper does. Between keeping tabs on what's been going on in India, they're about to play a test match in front of one hundred and thirty thousand people, um, yeah. and um, and the lack of sort of exposed form from the clubs. Um, the season opening has sort of snuck up on us, so. Um, It'll be interesting to see. There's a bit of there's a bit of mystery about how certain clubs are going to go. So, um, is there one thing that's sort of been a standout for you in the off season in terms of a story or a a, 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 a narrative or something that you're you're really interested in in seeing from a like league wide point of view? Oh, put me on the spot. Um, one thing. Uh, have you got one to get us going? Well, I'm 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 interested to see um, exactly how uh, the clubs sort of perform without this with this most truncated preseason. Um, there's probably about seven or eight clubs we don't really have a good idea about. Um, there's going to be players playing, and this is always the case, but it seems more the case this time that there's players playing 
who just haven't been involved in the preseason at all, haven't played it, certainly haven't played neither of the games. So, um, or the game and match simulation, but um, the AFL haven't done a lot of tinkering with the rules this time. Um, I think the main point of contention is, um, or the main the main new rule is that um, you can't sort of fake a handball to get the bloke moving off the mark and milk a 50-metre free kick. Um, they've reintroduced the sub as an extra person on top of the interchange bench. So it's four interchange bench and a, and a sub with no restrictions on under what circumstances you can bring on the sub. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm anti-sub. Um, I think I think it's a situation where you're just trying to make things perfect, and sometimes guys get injured, and you have to deal with it the best you can. Um, it won't be long after one sub until some club has two blocks get injured, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, there should be two subs." Um, but there hasn't been a lot of tinkering, um, so um, th- that's what I have. Um, I'll go with I'll go with a couple of teams. There's a couple of teams on paper that that. Uh, are just fascinating. There a lot of noise in the off season about, you know, how does Melbourne manage, um, arguably the two best ruckmen in the game on their list. Um, you know, what does that look like? Uh, you know, we've had one look, um, and it looked pretty darn good with uh, the pairs having six goals between them. Um, you know, so they're a fascinating watch. I think Richmond are a fairly fascinating watch, uh, topping up with with those two midfielders. Um, you know, can Geelong stay up? These these dormant, uh, very talented groups. I say dormant. You know, the Western Bulldogs played a final, but they had a they had a little bit of a blip of a season. So they're a fascinating watch. You know, how good can Carlton be? Um, it, it plays a little bit into your. We don't really have a great read on how these teams are going to play, but um, you know, last year was a fascinating enough lead up to this season. I think with with a couple of teams that you just go all that talent. Uh, if it clicks, great. It's never clicked before, so um, it'll be a fascinating watch. So um, we'll get stuck into it. We'll go. Anyone who's listened to my podcast um, will know that when we do season previews. Um, we go from the bottom of my table to the top of my table. So in reverse order how I think the teams will finish. Um, and I might try and get a little bit of a conversation started going with each team as we go through. Um, so we'll start at the bottom. I think I probably had them at the bottom last year. They didn't finish bottom. Um, but they've taken their list management this season uh, with a sort of attitude that, okay, we didn't finish bottom. We need to try harder to finish bottom. <laughs> Um, and that is Hawthorne. Um, I sort of wondered what they'd be about last year. They were competitive at times. Um, I thought the interesting thing that Sam Mitchell did, uh, and I and I posited this on the on the Twitterverse, was that just like uh, Matthew Knights at Essendon, who followed Kevin Sheedy, uh, Mitchell following a a long time um, successful coach of a club in Alistair Clarkson at Hawthorne sort of implemented this ultra-attacking game plan. And I wondered the question, would Hawthorne be able to see it through? Because in the end, Essendon saw it through for three years and then and then sort of ran Matthew Knights out of town. Um, so that was probably the interesting thing about Hawthorne last season was the style of play, they style of game they wanted to play, which didn't seem terribly interested in 
sort of disaster mitigation. Um, and it got away from them at various stages, but they looked they looked pretty promising at other stages. They would have been happy with the emergence of a guy like Dylan Moore, um, but some other and uh, and Newcomb, um, but some other guys went backwards. And now, you know, they've um, conducted one of the greatest um, list prunings um, and uh, hatchet jobs uh, in history. Um, Okay, in terms of players with exposed AFL form, they added they added Carl Amon as a free agent from Port Adelaide. They drafted Cam McKenzie, who looks like he's going to be able to contribute straight away. But in t- but between trades, retirements, and delistings, they let go Jack Gunston, Carl Hardigan, Daniel Howe, Ben McAvoy, Tom Mitchell, Jago Amira, Tom Phillips, and Liam Shields. Um that's a whole lot of talent and experience walking out the door at once. So my question is, is this the most obvious uh, tanking example we've seen in the history of the AFL? Yeah, well, I I don't know about tanking, but I, I largely I agree with everything you've said, and I have them bottom two. And this is this is uh, you know this is after last year where we we had to apologise to them. Um, at the end of the year for, as you say, for showing plenty of spirit, um, uh, you know, and Mitchell showing plenty of tactical nous through um, through last year. Um, but this is extraordinary list management. The, the one thing I, I like about a, a proactive sense, less of a tanking, uh, I mean, it, it kind of is, but Hawthorne are doing it in a positive fashion by just saying you, you kind of have to rebuild when nobody else is rebuilding. I've heard Sam Mitchell basically use that exact quote. So I like that because you need to have access to the best talent when you're rebuilding and not be up against three or four clubs for that talent. Um, You need to, you know, sort out your salary cap management and, and get rid of the guys that are on high payments and, and spread it all out a little bit and, and, and make a genuine play at free agency when you feel like some, some of your young talent is starting to mature together. Um, you know, and far be it for us to question the way Hawthorne goes about it after the last 30 odd years. Um, but with all that said, they're in for some, uh, pretty serious pain this year, I would have thought, and I'm pretty happy to double down on on them finishing last. However, just like last year when we had them in the same spot, and we were we were we were talking about it going to be a long year for them. They've got Essendon in round one, and the game is eminently winnable. Um, it seems like the only oh, this is going to be really bad story out of the out of the round of practice matches was Essendon. So. Um, Wolfhorn on the Sunday afternoon of round one at home against Essendon and from there on it gets harder but the, you know they'll, they'll be thinking how many opportunities do we have to win do we have to win games early in the season they've got North Melbourne in round three um, but you know and the Giants in round five in Melbourne but sort of around games against them um, they've got a few winnable games in the first few weeks but You'd imagine if it gets to the dog days of June and July, um, they might struggle to really get things going. But they'll find some. They'll find some players, and they did last year. I, I mentioned the two that, pro- that probably came to my mind first. I think Hauser, the sort of small forward any team would be happy to have. Um, 
and Newcomb was a mid-season draft pick, wasn't he? And there's been yeah. some success stories there, and I don't know if Newcomb is a sort of is is, is talent is, is an achievement in list management and and recruiting by Hawthorne or is someone they had hidden away. But um, it doesn't really matter. They've got um, they've got to be given credit on that and. They're a, they're, a, they're a green shoots, and I think, um, if, if for nothing else, Hawthorne supporters have, have seen enough success, certainly over the course of my lifetime, that if they suffer a little bit of pain this year, they can gladly be invited to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Bang on. Yeah. Um, who have I got in 17th? I've got the West Coast Eagles in 17th. And... Not a lot's changed. Their, their list profile in terms of age is apocalyptic, um, despite the fact that they had an extremely old list last season. They, in terms of it, in terms of established players, they've only lost Josh Kennedy and Jack Redden to retirement and Junior Rioli to a trade who wasn't that long in the tooth. They've brought in Jaden Hunt from Melbourne as a free agent, but. They all uh, and they were able to bring in some some good talent through the draft. They had four top thirty draft picks, but none in the top eight. So they've it, their draft attack has been more quality quantity over quality, I guess, or you know, absolute top notch quality. Um, there's no there's no um, marquee name, I guess, that's coming through in the draft. My question to you is, have I got them too low? Am I underestimating the power of playing at Optus Stadium? Or can a team that, that plays in Optus Stadium 12 times a year with the home grand advantage that that entails, does that sort of prevent you from being bottom two, two years in a row? Well, uh, I have them exactly where you have them. So snap so far on the ladders. Um, they were woeful last year, and uh, you know there, there's been a lot of excuses out of that camp. We weren't fit enough, um, uh, and and you know that that was obvious in the injuries to their sort of established stars. And I, I think that kind of list, man- list, list management strategy that you've spoken about, where they haven't got a great deal um, younger, despite it being a really obvious time to prune would indicate that they're sort of happy to double down on that. Um, yeah, trading out trading out pick two, um, and as you say, getting the, the sort of quantity of picks through rather than, um, you know, some, some really high-end quality guys, they'd probably tell you internally that that, that was a, a bit of a chance for them to have a crack at uh, some Western Australian talent. They may feel that's a really important part of it. Um, part of their puzzle um, is to, you know, have those guys there from um, from the outset, developing them uh, in their home state. And um, they've, they they've always felt... they've always been more committed to that than Frio, haven't they? I think Frio have been happier to pick players from other states a little bit more than West Coast. I think there's always been this feeling, and this is might be long term cultural stuff from West Coast, but they've always been sort of a pseudo West Australian state of origin team who are made up primarily of West Australians. I think they've always looked to recruit or draft local lads more than their um, purple colleagues from across the swamp. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think it might have uh, it might have shifted for Frio 
um, quite recently. Uh, my memory is that last year and certainly last year that their, their first couple of picks were um, WA boys. And um, so they, they might be looking to shift that philosophy. And it seems like uh, a, a lot of the interstate clubs who've been burnt here and there are now saying it's um, it's good country Victorian lads and and five or six of them at once, uh, or it's or it's kids from our state, um, and and maybe you know West Coast field it by um by by building the stockpile of of WA talent, they give themselves a better chance um, in the long term. Um, yeah, and it's it's an interesting strategy. Um, I just, you know, uh, how much can you read into preseason form? But I think they were they were pretty woeful um, through their preseason, and, and and guys who they've been talking up having really great um, off seasons. Uh, I read an article about Andrew Gaff about a week ago, one of the classic kind of he's flying type of articles. Um, <laughs> Last year he was carrying this, this, that, and the other, but that's all out the window, and he's flying, and then he comes out and has six kicks on the weekend. You know, you, you'd think that their gun veterans have to really stand up. We know that Nat Nui, I don't know if he's fit for round one, but I don't he, think so. No, I don't think so either. So, you know, um, we might just be, or West Coast might be hanging their hats on guys that just aren't ever going to be fit again. Um, They've got North Melbourne here in round one and um, gamble responsibly. But my gambling advice is um, uh, don't go near that game. Yeah. I've no idea what's going to happen in that game. Um, no, not to not to project too far ahead, but but very interesting that my bottom four sides are all playing each other. So there'll yeah. there'll be some wins coming out of that. I I, I think I think. I, yeah, I've got the same thing. So there you go. It was a spoiler alert. Let's see who's finishing top. Um, no. Um, no, I've got the, the, yeah, my bottom four all playing each other. And it wasn't all my bottom four until probably 24 hours ago. But um, I made some adjustments. The gap thing worries me a little. I don't know if we can read too much in the preseason, but this is a guy who just for seven or eight years, every time he stepped onto the football field, he was a guaranteed 28 disposals. Mm. You know, he wasn't this sort of player at 45 and then 17. He was, there was a very narrow range of just, he was one of the most consistent players in the league. Um, so, you know, for their sake, I hope he hasn't fallen off a cliff. But if he has, um, they've got a very old midfield. Um, and they're pretty, they're pretty old everywhere. Um, but I think, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, them and Adelaide are the two clubs that are probably organizationally able to be you know awful for a long time and not have it affect their brand and not have it affect their support um mm. so um yeah i think i think i think west coast have got enough money in the bank that jim chalmers is looking at taxing them at a higher rate um, to try and fix the budget deficit there's a bit of political comment for you as we move on to number 16. <laughs> And it's the team West Coast are playing um, in round one, North Melbourne. Um, I don't really want to talk about North Melbourne. I want to talk about the fact that they've been the worst team in three for the last three years in the league. Um, clearly, probably since the week after the teams came up from the pandemic, they've been terrible for three years. And they do not have a number one draft pick to show for it on their list. Mm. Um. They couldn't, you know, Adelaide and, and North Melbourne finished 
bottom two in 2020. Um, somehow, uh, North Melbourne ended up with ni- neither Riley Tilthorpe or Jamara Eugle Hagen because Eugle Hagen was able to walk to a team that had just played finals. Um, then last year, all the stuff to do with Horn Francis, they have turned him into draft catalog. They have just drafted number three and number four in the draft, um, picking up Harry Sheasel and George Wardlaw. Um, so it's been a long time since a team not named Gold Coast or GWS has had two top four draft picks in the same season. But mm. um, I think my argument has been, and has been for a long time, the greatest period of equity in the AFL of outcomes, the 2000s, when every team played in the preliminary final at least once, was built on the automatic priority pick selection era, where you won fewer than five and a half games. You won five or fewer games, you got an automatic priority pick. Um, Teams were able to bounce back quicker, and now the space between the bottom and the top, just because there's two more teams, is further. And North Melbourne are stuck in this situation where it's it's just hard graft. And there's such a gap between probably the bottom five or six teams this year um, and then the middle echelon that bridging that gap, just you just need um, that extra kick along. And for North Melbourne, I think the next extra kick along is at the end of this season, they can trade, they get given a second, an extra second round draft pick, and a, to, which, they, which they have to trade um, for an existing player, I think, or something like that. So... Mm. Um, they've brought in, in terms of bringing in um, sort of mature bodies to help them um, get through, they've uh, brought in Liam Shields from Hawthorne and Daniel Howe in the rookie draft and traded for Darcy Tucker and uh, Griffin, Griffin Lowe from Fremantle, yeah. who could be handy um, if he if he can stay on the ground. Um, but um, I, I, it's cautious optimism at North Melbourne. And on top of all that, we don't know when the next thing, next not related to what goes on the field story about their new coaches going to hit the newspapers. So, yeah, that's right. They'd love some clear air to um to probably just figure out how they get. Um, I'd love some quiet. They, they would, and they 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 have been woeful. Um, the number one pick's an interesting one because you know it's it sells a lot of hope to the fans um but in north's case with jason Horn francis it seemed doomed from the outset um you know he he never showed any interest in being at that footy club um and i think there's probably more to the story than we're hearing about um and you know when it was all said and done i think they were they were reasonably happy to offload him um uh, or, or certainly made their peace with it um, they, you, you suddenly look at they've they've been down the doldrums, but you sort of feel like perhaps they have the players drafted to figure it out now. Um, that that we sh- they should get better year on year from here. Um, and they've obviously you know earned that by being terrible, but um, you know you you do feel like now they've got a midfield mix that that should grow together, led by uh, Luke Davies-Uniak, who I think uh, will kind of explode um, this year uh, off a pretty good year last year, to be honest. But uh, he's one who, if he can stay fit, um, along with 
uh, Jai Simkin and then some of these young fellas and, and some of the untried sort of young fellas like your Will Phillips, who was also a top five draft pick. And um, some of these guys start to play some footy together. Um, that that'll be exciting. That's uh, Logue and McKay is a pretty handy um, backline pairing, um, I, I think. And they want to get Harry McCoy. They want to get sorry, not Harry Ben. They want to get his pen. On, they want to get his signature on a contract pretty soon. I would have thought. Absolutely, absolutely. He's one that a lot of clubs would come looking for, and it would be a, a damn shame if he was to leave. Um, but he's the he's a, a genuine AA key back. Um, so yeah, I, I hope he stays and sees it out. Um, and I just sees hope some the, success. I just hope the Mackay boys play in the same game this year, so we could end all the speculation that they are in fact just one person. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then Larky forward. I, I don't mind. It, it's not going to all fall into place, but I don't mind some of their pieces. And I I would rather um, the, the sides we've mentioned uh, beneath them and probably even a couple of sides above them, um, just based on having got to that side of the rebuild with any luck. I, 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 will, I will finish my comments on North Melbourne on saying this, is that two points. When Hawthorne, when Clarkson first got a hold of Hawthorne, those first couple of years where they weren't great, they tend to be very competitive early in the season, in both yeah. 05 and 06. So I'll just make that point. I know it's a long time ago. Maybe some people listening weren't even born. I'm, I'm kidding, of course. You're all, well, well, you're all old enough to remember that. I don't have any young followers. Um, but the other thing is I would just keep an eye on that Good Friday match. Because um, if Clarko's the old fox that we think he is, that'll be the bulletin board material he'd have. You know, in the lead up to that week, all the stories about what they've done on Good Friday um, with that match. And um, they've got Carlton. And it would just be you know, possibly very interesting if uh, North Melbourne were able to pinch that game as underdogs. They've got some winnable games early. The, the, the poor teams do. But... Um, well, they tend to play each other a bit early, but that's sort of how the fixture should work. Speaking of poor teams, I've got Essendon in 15. Um, short, quick question. Um, should I have them in the top eight because it's an odd year and this is the year where they make the finals, like they did in 2017 and 2019 and 2021, or am I overthinking things? Um, in all seriousness, they've... They've, they've waved the white flag during the preseason, haven't they? There's no Andrew Gaff always flying stories coming out of Essendon. No, they're 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 a strange club. It's, it's tough to get a read on. I mean, a bizarre set of circumstances with the the 24 hour um, appointment of of uh, of the Prez CEO. Um, I mean, they uh, did go through a president, but yes, the CEO was the one who was. Um, the chief for 24 hours. Yeah, the, the herd threatening to, to make a return. I think they've ultimately made the right call here, but I heard it summed up really well uh, recently on another podcast um, that there's still an amalgam of old world Essendon and, and uh, new world Essendon where they're, they're, where they're comfortable to hire football people in these positions. And um, Brad Scott, you know, has no Essendon connection and and um, will be better for his time off. I think that that 
they, they've still got some dead wood to um, cut loose, but that feels like a good appointment. And I feel like he can sort of uh, come into this club um, quietly and just go about his business um, and, and set about improving things um, at a club that it, they've sort of, they haven't, you, you referenced them earlier, like Matthew Knight's teaching them how to attack and, and not to defend. And they haven't defended since he left the club either. Um, it's been a, a hallmark of Essendon that they, they just, they leak like a sieve. Um, and, and even in the years where they look exciting, they, they still have the capacity to be opened up. Um, so you'd think Brad Scott comes in there and, and, and teaches them that, just reshapes the club. You know, you would think they'd have to adopt some part of his footballing personality, which mm. was, he, well, he was much more dour than his brother. Um, yeah. You know, Chris was the, Chris was the talented one. Um, Brad started his career at Hawthorne and then got traded and was always sort of the more marginal footballer. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just seems there's a lot of still. It still seems like the Kevin Sheedy Football Club, and considering what effect that has on their ability to succeed, long may it rain. Um, so I don't want this <laughs> to be taken as any sort of advice uh, for people around the Essendon Football Club, but just think about some of the 75 year old person that you know, and you're just like, would you leave them in charge of things? I say this, you know, in, in a full. Full cognizance of the fact that the leader of the free world is an 80-year-old man who is, has a long-term reputation for putting his foot in his mouth. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's been long past the times since Essendon needed a new approach and to move on from the romance of the last 20 years of the 20th century. They still have not won a final, not coached by Kevin Sheedy, um, since 1968. Mm. And to be truthful, they haven't really started to try. So, you know, yeah, it's it's very interesting down there. You know, even the who can certainly hold his head high as far as the football that he's turned out through uh, an overall disappointing era at that footy club. Um, but is he going to be the guy that that sets the defensive standards? If he can, you know, if he can have a kind of, uh, if he can use this as a as a pivot point and have um, a Trent Cotchen-like um, pivot in his uh, career become that real leader and the guy that can drive defensive standards, then he'd go up in my estimation. But he's he's a very attacking footballer uh, at his core, you know. Um, I, so, I, don't, I don't think that I don't think the captain was the problem. <laughs> oh no, no, absolutely not. But it, but. You know, Brad Scott didn't really have somebody on, or that that just appears to be that that leader and that defensively minded person and the the obvious candidate to lead genuine change at that footy club. So it's on Zach Merritt to become that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I sincerely hope they finish last. <laughs> um, and it's in, it might be in play. Um, I've got Adelaide fourteen. Um, I've lo- I love what uh, Matthew Nix has come out and said. We need to, we, you know, the, the 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 expectation is different now, and th- this is this is what I'd love to hear. 
and and it's a, it's it's somewhere along the it's somewhere between where Brett Scott is now and where Craig McRae was last season. Um, where you say you know we've we've got to expect to win games. We can't be just hiding behind because it is they they're well into a rebuild now. Um, they've brought in players um, who who have performed well, um, and then they've continued to add. They bring in Isaac Rankin this season. They sort of to a certain extent, blew up their draft this year to get Rankin, knowing that they had Max Michelini able to pick him high as a father-son. Um, they brought in Jordan Dawson last year, who was pretty much all that they uh, would have been expecting. And they'll be hoping for a fair bit of improvement from the guys they have. Hopefully, for their sake, that'll that'll translate into some wins, certainly in Adelaide. Um, but they're obviously still, I, I think... It, it's not unreasonable to say that they are not capable of making finals um, as currently constituted. Yeah, I agree with all of that. There's a there's a massive spruik around Adelaide in football circles um, because of 12 months of consistent effort. And so the buy-in within that footy club and um, the talk around Matthew Nix and the way that he's galvanised that footy club um, uh, you know, is is impressing people in football circles, and you sort of have to you have to take notice of that. But then it, it's it's tempered by the fact that they they just still don't appear to have they're, they're sort of unheralded on every line. Um, maybe the forward line um, would be the um, you know the asterisk on that, I suppose. Well, with Texas, Texas Walker and. He's in everyone's top 50 players going into the season. Yeah, well, exactly. I think it's sort of incredible when you consider that 18 months ago his career was over. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, Texan a lot of times last year looked like he might actually become what we thought he might be when he was drafted. He looked stronger and tougher and fitter and um, started to play some really nice footy. And then a, a, around him, they, they add a, a piece like a Rankin... Um, obviously, McAdam, who um, is capable of some pretty freakish things down there as well. So that's the one line where they do have a, a bit of X factor and star power. But elsewhere, they, you know, they're they're just good, honest triers. But they're all on the same page, you know. And and of course, players are going to lift out of that and 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 become um, stars. Ben Keith is sort of the poster child for that, isn't he? He's the one who's just sort of delisted by the Gold Coast when being delisted by the Gold Coast or traded by the Gold Coast wasn't a badge of honour. It was the opposite. And um, then he's turned up at Adelaide and sort of completely remade his career through hard work. Exactly right. You know, Rory Laird is, is a superstar from a super coach perspective, but he's a he's a little nuggety footballer that just gets the job done. And he's, he's made the move from the back line into the guts and is extremely prolific, but he's not, he's not that silky smooth mover superstar footballer you know they don't have a, a Bontempelli running around yeah so and I guess I guess in terms of in the ideal world when you want when would you want to add someone like Rankin um if you're Adelaide this season probably wouldn't have been it but you sort of need to grab him when he becomes available so mm. yeah yeah, whether he ends up ever spending too much time on ball or I mean his year last year for Gold Coast was excellent. Uh, he he became that player who who needed to touch the um, 
the the footy, you know, only the sort of 10 to 15 times and uh, maximum hurt factor. So he might not ever be that midfield player, but but um, it, it's certainly nice to be able to add one of those um, into your forward line mix. Uh, I don't have Adelaide 14th. Um, so what's the best way for me? Well, is it Greater Western Sydney? It isn't. It isn't. Okay. Well, that's who I've got in 13th. So our bottom four is the same. I think we've given that away. By the way, my 13th and 14th play each other this week as well. So the bottom six all play each other. Um, my my assessment of Greater Western Sydney in the 13th is quite simple. Um, they're trying to do what Hawthorne did, but they still just have too much talent to me to have them anywhere, anywhere lower than 13th. They yeah. were, they, as I mentioned in one of our podcasts at the end of last season, they were historically hit by the draw. <laughs> The teams they played once, they won 50% of their games. They lost every game against someone they played twice. Mm. Um, wasn't a good year to be playing Sydney twice. I can, as a St Kilda supporter, I can attest to that. Um, and there were some other, t- you know, I think they played the Bulldogs twice because they've got that rivalry going with them. And there's another, there, there was another two losses. So, um, but they've still, they've still got too much, particularly in the midfield, even with the departures. Um, They've still got too much talent around the ground for me to have them any lower than that. But they are definitely, you know, the, the the first Greater Western Sydney dip at a premiership is behind us. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, but I think if there's a club, if there's a club that could do what Collingwood did last year, um, I would say, because you're right, there's still a lot of talent there. And... They have signed a uh, a person who was there through the Richmond era, and who appears set to bring back the Ferrari. They're they're not going to play um, chip chip down the line stuff. They're going to take the game on again. Um, he 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 appears to be putting their weapons back where their weapons, um, i.e. Lockie Whitfield to to the half back line. Um, you know, things like that. I, I get to be really fun to watch GWS play footy again. Um, and some of that kind of dour and weird footy um, when everybody was playing that, I suppose. Um, if you're not inspired by what Geelong managed to do, having been a very unwatchable side there for a little chunk of time, um, you know, by adding three goals offensively and, and just, you know, they, they just played incredible football last year. Um I, I hope there are sides that are chasing that down. It'll make for a wonderful year of watching footy. And um, if if GWS start to play a little bit like Richmond did, we could have some fun. It'll be it'll be interesting to see because that 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 will be I think with the the talent offer and they aren't a particularly deep team anymore. Um, I'm probably never the absolute deepest team, but they were reasonably deep. Um, that style of play will be a little all duck or no dinner. There'll be days where they'll be irresistible and they'll, they'll, there'll be other days when they'll be unwatchable. But um, I think I, I, it's, it's a clear statement of intent of um, what they want to do with the list. And and, and as always, that they've managed to sort of on paper succeed at that already. Um, they got the number one draft pick. Um they had a top 20 pick who was one of their academy kids and picked up another three players um, between 21 and 34. Um, so, but 
it's just it's hard to go past Brune, Hopper, Taranto, and Hill out the door all at the same yes. time. That's just it's just a it's just a it's just a steaming pile of quality. Yeah. So absolutely, and and they're still they still talk you know um, so much of the cap invested in so few, you know. So so they they've still got work to do. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, if they can make the place a, a really fun place to play footy again, you know, maybe they maybe they'll help themselves out from a list management perspective as far as keeping some of the fringe players interested in staying there on lower money because yeah, I believe you know that there, there was talk about moving on a Whitfield or someone like that just due to the sheer coin that they're on, um, you know, and keeping guys up in Sydney's always been a little bit challenging. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, they're, they're not without their problems. But Kingsley could be a breath of fresh air. If it's if it's a, I mean, if it's a happier place, then that might also make a difference. Mm. Um, okay, so that's where I put the line. I don't think I think GWS are as close as it gets in the bottom six to having any fair dinkum uh, claims on making the final eight. Um, but I don't I don't think any of those six teams have any realistic. Uh, chances of playing finals this year. Having said that, GWS will probably finish top and they'll play Essendon in the grand final. But anyway, um, so then we go, we move to the next group of teams and these are teams I think can play finals. Um, I've got St Kilda in 12. Cool, it's the expectation game, call it what you like, but, the, you know, they they are, the, the list in terms of um, actual fitness at the moment is not in great shape and they seem to be injured in, in like everybody in one particular place, which makes it mm. hard. Makes it hard um, to get the ball rolling on a, on a season which has, which should have opportunities to win games early, but um, it'll be hard to do without um, your best forward, probably your second best forward. Um and some other very handy players as well. Um, again, a very odd list profile. Um, St Kilda somehow managed to have a team that's always reasonably young, but much higher on the list of fewest games played, which tells you something about they're either putting games into blokes who then immediately leave um, for whatever reason, or they're just not giving games to young blokes. Um, if you've got a if you've got a list profile where you're sixth in sixth youngest, but your ninth least played games, that tells you you're getting young games into your young kids. Um, and St Kilda always seems to be the opposite. Which yeah, I think last year was the only time where I could think of where they really got games into their their first year players in a long time, probably since 20, 2014, Really. Um, well, if you if you wanted that to turn around. Um, they went and hired Ross Lyon, so um, yeah, I don't know. Don't know whether that'll be changing. I will say this though, because I was there um, in 2011, which was Ross's last year at St Kilda. He played everyone, right? Um, and then everyone kept getting injured. So some young kid would come in, play three games, and then be out for the rest of the year for some for some sort of reason. So um, it does seem like our First round draft pick, Matthias Philippou, is going to play round one. Um, we've been a very vanilla good boys team um, for a long time. It's nice to have drafted a bloke who gets picked at pick 10, gets asked a question that the team that was picking at pick five picks someone else's response was, well, I hope he's good for their sake. 
Um, but the, the the development is going to have to come from within. Um, and I don't know that that there's completely the main thing working for St Kilda was that St Kilda had the old um, we lost a whole bunch of close games last season uh, thing that can revert to the mean. So you could have lost 11 games last season. Six of them, they were either in front or even after half time. So there was a, there was a, there was a certain pattern of, of games where St Kilda would and it happened in round one and it happened in round 22 where they would be two or three goals down at half time and not looking very good and then roar back with a with the third quarter only to not manage to keep it going in the fourth quarter. Sometimes it just kept going. I mean, winning against Richmond when they kicked 10 goals in a row was sort of irresistible. Yeah. But um, I, at the risk, and it's not much of a risk of, you know, besmirching clickbait trolls in the punditry, I find it hard for anyone to put a lot form line through St Kilda this season at the moment. So 12th is probably the safest place to put them, which is about where they were last season. Yeah. Yep, I found yep. it pretty hard. 12, I are uh, ranking them for vibe. Yep. Um, and and I just I just don't know whether the vibe is 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 great there. Um, just at the minute. Um, you know, I think Lions a good appointment. I think it's the right appointment. Um, but uh, you're right. You know, and and I, I actually I needed to give I need to trust my gut a little bit more with last year's ladder. Um, instead of saying St Kilda would make the eight because they had, um, you know, I, you you got the sense that campaign was in trouble in the preseason. Um, didn't King King hurt himself with a golf ball or something ridiculous, and it added to a string of um, string of injuries that that the Saints were suffering, and and just little bits of noise that that just didn't quite didn't quite feel great. So I'm hoping I'm. I'm hoping this is wrong for um, for your sake, punter. But I, I had uh, GWS twelve, Adelaide thirteen. Fair enough. We're on the same bottom seven. Yeah, that's right. Fair enough. I mean, I just I've I've I've, I've just got I know I, I know I buried from my follow them. I've just got nothing else to add. You know, I just I just want to see them play, and then I might be able to get an idea on them. But there are, there are there are forty seven different rabbit holes one could go down about different things to talk about secure where whether it's you know the bone density of hunter Clark or <laughs> whether the fact that there might you know jack Jack Higgins might be paid to kick goals um means that he's a lousy bloke um or the fact that Stephen Milne's best years were under Ross Lyon, or you know, there's all sorts of things you could read into it. Um, I'm looking forward to going to the footy, but you know, they, I, I go, I can't, like, it, it's impossible to hang any expectation on them. Yep, as currently constituted. Um, I've got Port Adelaide in twelve. Have you? Oh, sorry, eleven. Port Adelaide's eleven. I had some killer talk. Port Adelaide's eleven. Port Adelaide. This 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 is the vibe thing for me. This has this has the feeling. This has all the hallmarks of Kinkley doesn't make it to the King's birthday. There's just there's just not a good vibe. There wasn't a you know a huge wonderful finish to last season. Um they've lost some soldiers. Amon's at Hawthorne, Robbie Gray's retired, 
Stephen Motlop's retired. Not that Motlop was much of a much of a uh, soldier, but uh, without looking, I pro- he probably got to two hundred games. Um, they brought in Horn Francis, but the chatter isn't uniformly positive. Um, they brought in Junior Rioli, but he's not, you know, bread and butter stuff in terms of a footballer. Um, they have, they did draft Tom Scully. No, not that one. And, um, but in the end, because of various things, they just, they, they didn't really have a draft. Um, so the list is essential. I mean, I don't think you can make an assessment that their list is better this year than it was last year. So we, we're looking for improvement from who they've got. They got it last year from Rosie, but are we ever going to see it from consistent, you know, week in, week out from Dersmer in terms of his body? Um, it's it's just it's just interesting, you know, where they sit, and I don't think all the talk is about. What happens if they don't kick off the season magnificently? They've got Brisbane at home in round one. Um, let's 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 be honest. They'd much rather be playing Brisbane in Brisbane round one from a pressure point of view because then the pressure wouldn't be on them as much. But they're at home and they'll be expected to win. Um, Collingwood in Melbourne round two. Um, Derby, you know, showdown round three, which they which they lost that corresponding game last year. Um, then Sydney in Sydney round four, Bulldogs in Adelaide round five. That's a game the Bulldogs have won, you know, in previous iterations recently. Um, that's that's not that's not a straightforward five weeks for them to na- navigate. By that's brutal. That is brutal for a so, team that went zero and five last year. That is absolutely brutal. I, yeah. I hadn't I hadn't seen that. Um, I've got I've different reasons, um, and 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 Hinkley's definitely one of them, but I've got nine teams who could win the flag and I've got Port as one of them. So I don't have them. I don't have them. Where do you have them? Uh, 11th. I don't have them 11th because my, uh, the nine teams I've got winning the flag, I have occupying the top nine positions on the ladder. That seemed natural enough. Yeah. But, uh, but I did put Port lowest of the nine. Because I feel I can trust them the least. You know, we've all, we've always kind of said that about ports. So do you look at that one year kind of in isolation as just one out of the box? Um, well, I mean, it was two years, but they were. It was. I mean, they haven't. They have at no stage under Ken Hingley have they been terrible for a season. Mm. Yeah. At a stage, at, at at some stage in every Ken Hinckley season, they've either made finals or looked like they were a genuine chance to make finals. Mm. Probably about six weeks to go. Um, so, you know, they've been up for a while. Um, you know, it's ten or eleven years, and it's without a premiership. So, which also tells you that um, historically, that's when you know the writing's on the wall mm. as a coach. Most most AFL coaches do not get that sort of that sort of chance. He's never made a grand final. I mean, it's I think it's three preliminary finals, and the last one against the Bulldogs was, you know, would be the most embarrassing day in their club history if not for one nineteen. But mm. um, you know, all arrows pointing off. It's just the amount of talent they've got on their list that makes me feel like you know I 
I've got them in 11th and I feel like I'm I'm giving them credit. If this goes badly and they sack and and they do sack Hinkley, um they could finish bottom 4. Um if it if, if they just if that if they, because there's there'd be no incentive for them to do anything but if they're 0 and 5 and uh there's there's just, just something just, real loose got, about yeah go on yeah they've got Brisbane in round 1 and they are just full of buzz. You know, yeah, oh, this is the best bloke who's ever walked into the club at 18 years old. Um, Dunkley's, you know, superb. Um, or, you know, Hipwood, this, you know, and I don't want to do Brisbane right now, but um, that's just... Port Adelaide rather play that game on the moon than at home. Because at home, they are, they will be, they, you know, they will be hunted. Um, if you barrack for Port Adelaide, get along with that game and support as much as you can, be a huge win for them if they can. They might be fine just if they win that game. Um, but they'll be stealing themselves for these first five games because it was it was nigh on impossible for Hinkley to hold his job at 0-5 last year and nobody expected it. And it wasn't as tough a run as this is. Mm. And we've spoken before about a tough draw can be the making of a really good team. So if if they get it humming early on, if if Rosie Butters, who, who's the one we haven't mentioned, yeah. uh, who's a great player, um, and Horn Francis can can get something humming along in the centre square, um, and they they find their way through that, I think even if they find, um, with a couple of really strong lessons um, learnt, um, you know, then then they they could and all the spruik was Port Adelaide off the back of um, the the sort of trade week. You know, there was there was a lot of noise about how Brisbane had improved their list massively and how Port Adelaide had done the same. And it's it's gone a little quiet. Um, and and yeah, I mean, if Vaughan Francis uh, is there when Hinkley's gone after five rounds, um, he, he's putting together a pretty interesting little CV. But um, yeah, they're they're the the toughest to get a read on of the teams. I think could do it but most likely won't. Fair enough. One of the two teams you have below Port Adelaide is the Gold Coast. Mm. I've got them 10th. Mm. God, I, I there's a part of me that really, really wants to see them put it together this season. They're, they're, they're off-season, and it's probably the second straight off-season where this was the case that wasn't earth-shattering. Um, they gifted Jack Bowes to Geelong and they were going mm. to gift Jack Bowes to whomever Jack Bowes decided he wanted to play for. And, you know, we could talk about that to the cows come home. Mm. And they traded Isaac Rankin, who was always leaving, um, and they were able to get a decent pick back in, basically. They got the, the Bowes pick back, back in. They moved up in the draft through those two moves. So they traded Bowes and Rankin out and moved up a spot in the draft. There's a better way of looking at it. Mm. Um that, that draft pick is Bailey Humphrey. They brought in Ben Long from St Kilda, who, um, you know, will benefit from just being left in one position, which is a – you know, and, and Ben Long's best game of his career was his last one. So, um, I'm, as a St Kilda's before, I'm a Ben Long fan. Um, yeah. They've offered him security and apparently going to plop him in a spot and let him play there. Um, they've brought in – Jed Anderson, Tom Berry, and Connor Blakely from other clubs um, who all look more traditionally like the sort of depth that Gold Coast have never really had from other clubs. Um, 
But considering Boz wasn't playing a huge role towards the end of the season, um, they didn't lose much. They're going to get another year of development out of all those players. But they just have to put it together. And, and I'm, you know, flogging a dead horse with one of the things I always say over and over again, but um, good teams get there early. And if Gold Coast are a good team, they get there this year. It's a timid pick for me to put them in 10th. I'd love to have them in 8th. Um, but there's a little bit of, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, what, you know, what does putting it together actually mean, Punner? Like, you know... Like Take the finals. It, yes. And in this, you know, we'd give them a pass if they finished eighth because there's all these good teams that they've got to force their way into the mix of. Um, I think you're right, but a very brave man to have them any higher than eighth at, at a real pinch, you know, that relies on uh, on something going wrong. For for one of the incumbents, um, you know, which it always does. We're not we're not sitting here thinking we've got the ladder nailed, but um, oh come on, I'm due. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice if we were both sort of bang on somehow. But um, yeah, we we've been nowhere near it. We've been getting C's and C pluses from memory. So um, yeah, I, you, you could argue that they could have their best season and 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 finish tenth or eleventh and. Um, make real progress, but just not to the level that um, those above them have. Um, uh, ben King is still not running around. I believe he's expected to play. Is he? Okay. Well, that's... that's um, I mean, I don't think they necessarily struggled to kick goals last year without him. It was, yeah, it was wonderful. Like, like Charles and Yeah, yeah so, but I mean, they feel like there's enough versatility in, in Marbior to, to get up to the wings or whatever, but... Um. Yeah, they'd, they'd be wrapped to have King back. Um, there'll, be, there'll be a stage in the season, considering how the conditions get up there at the Gold Coast, especially, um, where there'll just be no, there'll be no benefit in playing three marking forwards. But Ben King's a little like his brother, who who I've described as potentially the greatest half forward flanker ever. Um, they're pretty. They're both pretty good below their knees. So mm. um, I don't know whether that's going to translate post reconstruction for Ben King. But um, yeah, that's only upside. I mean, that's basically a new recruit this season. So um, mm. and and you know, with Chol and Casbolt around earlier in the season when conditions might be a little bit more favourable, um, he'll be given an opportunity to find his form. So. As I want to see it happen, but I think there's been a couple of situations where, and last year the Collingwood game was that situation for the Gold Coast. They had put together a really solid month of football um, and were starting to look really damaging, and that game was up for grabs and Collingwood scrapped it. So, and and that was that was that. I think I think Colling I think Gold Coast beat Richmond after that, but it, it got a little tough the road home. They had a nice little patch in the middle of the season where the fixture was favourable. Um, and they were able to get that going. Um, by the way, Gold Coast have got Sydney at home in round one, um, which you'd normally suggest would be a tough ask. But Sydney, the Gold, Gold Coast is sort of Sydney's bogey team. Yeah. So, um, yeah. We'll see how we go. But, yeah, there's question marks over the Swans as well. Um, your opportunity for the defence here, Cameron. I've got Collingwood in ninth, ah. and and the and 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 
the question the the question to start the conversation on Collingwood is simply tell me why I'm wrong. Oh, you you could be bang on. Uh, they're impossible to get a read on Collingwood. Um, I'll tell you. All right. Yeah. Is that I think I think we're better on paper um, than we were for large chunks of last year. Um, McStay, uh, you know, was a questionable recruit of sorts, um, but has come in and looked every bit the player that we wanted in the football that I've seen him play. He looks strong. Um, he straightens us up. He allows Fleck and Elliot to sort of um, be a little bit freer and hopefully play on, on lesser quality uh, backmen. Um, Bobby Hill's a very different kind of uh, a forward line player at Collingwood, um, and it should mean that we've got himself and, and Bo McCreary buzzing around. Um, Tom Mitchell, by rights, should make us better at clearance, although that wasn't a big focus at Collingwood last year. And McRae improves us that, that slight bit um, more again, so that rather than us worrying about the games that, the, the 10 or 11 games that we won by small margins, that we, we put five or six of those games away earlier than we did last year so that we don't have those furious finishes that we did in 2022. But, um, but you know, or, or we have a couple of them that, that maybe they're the games where we're playing those other, you know, top four sides. That two performances in the finals were, you know, I think enhanced our reputation in football circles after a year where everyone was like, ah, they'll, and it did, but only narrowly, you know, we were I, I, both those finals. I, I'm happy to, I'm happy to not, I'm happy to, to concede that Carlton Collingwood in round 23 was the game of the season, but I didn't see it because I was on my way to another game. Mm. Um, the best game I saw last year was the Sydney Collingwood prelim. Oh, yeah, but the, for me, the qualifying final was magnificent as well. Like, that was that was an arm wrestle from the outset with both teams sort of throwing everything at each other. And ultimately, Geelong's last five minutes in that game, you know, no one could deny that they were the better side. And I, yet, it had been titanic. I think you could make the argument that Geelong won the premiership in that five minutes. Yeah, that was absolutely. That was the one, that was the, that was the, it was the hump they, they had not been able to get over under Chris Scott since their first season. Um, and there were some players, particularly uh, Jeremy Cameron in particular, who were able mm. to perform in that situation where perhaps they hadn't in previous situations. And it's just like, well, now I can do that. I don't have to worry. And everything else was pretty straightforward from that point in terms of the prelim and the grand final. I think they were probably won those games by about 25 goals total. So um, my case against Collingwood is there's obviously the well-worn um, statistical analysis of a team built on winning a whole bunch of close games. Mm. Um, I would also, I'll make two more points. One, the 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 list talent plus minus um, in terms of the ins and outs in the off season is is it's mixed. Um, Grundy and Henry walking out is a lot of talent walking out the door. Um, and I think you would have been expecting or hoping for a lot more production out of Ollie Henry in the years to come. And 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 to get Grundy back up and running again. Um Mitchell's a Mitchell's a distressed asset. Um I'm not sure he's ever really look, he won his, he won his Brownlow medal in a team that finished top four, but then got knocked out in straight sets. 
I'm just I'm just I'm not entirely sure that I I, I I'm on the Tom Mitchell makes you better bandwagon. Um, Bobby Hill and Dan McStay, um, nice additions to be sure. Um, but I'd also mention this: Collingwood do not have a have a sneakily not young list profile. Um, yeah, and, that that is right. And some of the players that are relied upon are Pendlebury types. There's a few around Jamie Elliott. You know, Jordan to go is in season nine. So the guy sort of strikes you as a 24-year-old, but he's actually 27. It's just a little bit different. Um, he should be absolutely at the peak of his powers now. Um, but he's sort of he's sort of stuck in this limbo world between Dustin Martin performance and Jake Stringer performance, um, where it's just there, there, there's, a, there's a mid-level between the two. Um, he's better than Jake Stringer, and he's not as good as Dustin Martin. Or, or not as good as Dustin Martin was in his pomp, um, and, you, and I think I think any Collingwood's would be desperate for Dugowie to take that next step. I think he might be at that age now where where Martin did. I think he's probably one or two years older. Um, but it's it is really tough to. It was really tough out of the bot out of the out of the top nine to leave. Yeah, I agree I've with prob- that. I've probably been more bullish about internal improvement of some other teams and additions so it's it's not a reflection on Collingwood I'll have, I'll have no I won't be in the least bit surprised if they finish top four again to be truthful but I think anyone of the other teams can also that I've got listed above them could finish top four um chances are one of them's going to finish bottom eight um but I've got Collingwood in ninth so yeah I've been up and down like a yo-yo because um a little bit with this team, I felt that we were better. I mean, the uh, Grundy and, and Henry going, I, I I wanted both of those players at the club, but uh, on field versus last year, that that they they don't make they weren't in the team, you know. So so it, it's it's easier to think of them as offloadable assets if they weren't in a team that was going really well. But yes, Ollie Henry was an extremely talented young Collingwood player, and I'm I'm very sad that he's gone. And I love Brody Grundy. Um, yeah, um, we are. We're a fascinating watch, and I, I when I, ultimately I think we've probably got better. But have we got better it, 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 at the same rate that some of those around us will? So I, I've got us uh, on a slight slide versus, uh, <laughs> despite the fact that I think we'll be better. Fair enough. Um, I've got the team they beat in the semi-finals in number eight in Fremantle. Um, sort of, to a certain extent, a drastic change to the Fremantle list, in so much as they've brought two highly rated players in through trade. And obviously, the Jago Amira thing happened sort of out of nowhere at the end when it was clear that the fire sale was on at Hawthorne. Luke Jackson, we could see from coming from a long way off, and Lob leaving that that's neat, you know he just sort of slots in there. Um, th- there has been a bit of talent out to do it for Mantle. Um, Acres is at Carlton, Logs at North Melbourne. Um, Mundy's retired. It it happened. Um, but I just think there's still better to come for that that young midfield core. Um, you know Brayshaw. Um, Sarong, those um, 
they, they had a really nice midfield, and they've probably, you know, Amira comes in there to sort of replace Mundy. Um, I feel that, you know, despite the changeover, there's probably a bit, there's probably a continuity there. Funnily enough, I think the one guy they probably haven't replaced is Akers, who, you know, produced his best football in the second half of last season with sort of one foot out the door. Um, but I can't, I can't, you know, I, I could see the missing finals, but I think that, that again, a bit like what we mentioned with West Coast, that home ground advantage um, will probably just tip them over the edge in terms of, in terms of making finals. Yeah, it's, um, they're interesting, Frio, because I think I, I heard somebody say towards the end of last year that, that this year projected really, they had 10 teams that could, could win the flag. And I have not. Frio's the other one you don't have. Okay. Yeah, and it could be, it could just be the bias of, you know, you came to the semi-final with me and we sat there and watched a game that Collingwood bullied Frio in that game. Frio did yeah, the score. The score, the score flattered for Mantle. Yes. They're, they're, as, a, as a Collingwood supporter, it was the safest I'd felt at a game uh, in years. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we weren't really that team last year that put teams away. All those close games, we've referenced it a million times, and we've done Collingwood, so I'm not going to harp on about this. But yeah. the the defensively sound Frio from the beginning of the year, in fact, defensively elite uh, Frio from the first half of last year, they've got to recapture that, um, and they've got to find versatility and... Um, uh, you know, a really good attacking game to match it because these days teams are um, sort of... Uh, football is much more attacking at the moment. Um, so I agree with a lot of what you said. I think Brayshaw's a gun. I think Sarong's a gun. I think um, Darcy and Luke Jackson in the same team's a little bit of a watch. Um and I think that there's been some destabilizing factors from a team that that got a bit of a smack in the finals, um, and and it gave me some the the same thing around you know uh, the narrow losses Collingwood had in the finals made me feel like we were a better team than I'd felt we were in the home and away uh, series. The same thing when we held Frio at arm's length, I'm like, oh, they're just they're not there. They're, I think there's going to be teams that are just better than Frio and. Um, of course, I could be wrong, but I've got them in tenth. No worries. I think it's our first major disagreement in terms of actual assessment um, of where they at, and despite the fact that we haven't got them in two teams in that much of a different spot, so we might venture into more disagreements in the top seven. We're going all right. We've got. We were said we we're going to be quicker. We've got through eleven teams in an hour and fourteen minutes, so <laughs> we're going famously. Um, I've got Sydney in seventh. Snap. And, uh, okay, there we go. Well, that was the thing I thought we were going to disagree with. Um, all the recent history tells us that this is, this, is, this is the toughest situation to recover from. Um, and this is, not, this is not the Sydney of your youth. Um, this is not the, um, the Sydney of the, of the 2000s or the first half of the 2010s. So this isn't necessarily the same group with the same proven intestinal fortitude that the team had after 2014. By the way, still didn't win in 2016. Um, but it's been a long, long time. 1983 since a team copped a flogging like that in the grand final and won the premiership. 
with that with this, essentially the same iteration of the list. And that was that was wasn't just it wasn't just the scope of the loss. It was how they lost. It was the fact that eighteen of them didn't really turn up. The list is essentially the same as it was last season, and that's understandable because I think they've got so much young talent that have got there before we thought they were going to get there that they think that they could, the, the improvement can continue to matriculate. But um, there's got to be huge mental questions over this team considering what Geelong did to them in the grand final and what has happened to GWS post-2019 and what happened to... St Kilda post 2010 and what happened to Port Adelaide post 2007 and I, I just I, I want to I probably have to wait till they play in a final um, to find out where they are but at some stage they're going to lose a game this season regardless where where there's going to be they're going to be you know above the fold the first thing discussed on AFL 360 on Monday morning talking about how they lost and is this you know, the continuation of what happened on grand final day. Yeah, well, I have them in seventh because I, I kept hearing your voice echoing in my ears around these poorly performed grand final sides. And I was there for that game too. And they were just atrocious. They, they were as bad as Geelong were brilliant. Um, and yeah, you, you know, the, the one thing I'll say about that, some of the sides you rattled off there is that they were, they were supposed to be in grand Mm. St Kilda and GWS and and um, whoever uh, whoever else you referenced, it's but they were mature list builds. That's right. Yep. Sydney, the the Sydney side that we're really excited to see is still forming. Um, you know, so are these young brash, confidence ones able to shake this off in a way that? you know, a, a list full of 28 to 30 year olds might not have been able to do. Um, the, the the best talent on this Goulden's come out and had a pracky match and had 45 and three the other day. I mean, don't yeah. waste that on a pracky match, but he's not even no. like, like there, there's, there's all of these young boys on that list who, who just might be like, Oh, well, we, we lost the granny. We're, we're, we're back. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's the best that we can hope for. There's certainly got too much talent to miss the eight, um, and you know they're on the up and up. They've just there's a lot of lovely players on that list, and um, so they they may have the capacity to buck the trend. Um, and I'm not willing to write them off as a as a flag contender, as I said early. But um, yeah, I've got them in seventh because they they do they've got to overcome history and. Um, yeah, but the yeah, I, I hope they can. I hope they can because there's a lot of good players there. I want to make one more point about Sydney on the record before, which again is this is not the this is not the the bloods that you grew up with. Um, these guys, when they're on the top of the ground, they will and they will let you know about it. They yeah. are a, they are an up and about team when they are up and about. <laughs> See Tommy uh, Papley on the on well, the Tommy Papley and Chad Warner and yeah. Ollie Florent. There's there's six or seven of them. So yeah, um, you know this isn't this isn't Jude Bolton and Brett Kirk with their heads down, their thumbs up at the cold face, <laughs> just going about their business and throwing the ball back to the ref after they score a touchdown. Um, they do they do enjoy their success. 
Um, so they might not be as easy to like as a neutral as uh, their predecessors. So mm. there might be a little bit of wishful thinking in me picking them to go seven. Um, I've got the Bulldogs in six. How did this happen, Cameron? They turned into a team that has historically always been a team that has no tall key position players, and now yeah. that's all they have. Mm. Yeah. They're almost having to invent new positions on the ground to get them all on the team at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. Um, they're almost all excellent. Yeah. Yeah, they're the, they're the scary prop for any other team. If you're a team that thinks you're a good team, um, well, I'd be worried about how good the dog quickly. Um, they've had too many mid for, for a long time. So while you don't want to lose someone of, of Dunkley's class, you know, they had midfielders playing all over the park and in, in, in specialised positions that they may not have been terribly good at. Um, they, they, were, they were a team that couldn't defend um, as a team, and Bevo's spoken about that. They just had a lack of unity as a defensive side. And, you know, I don't know whether they were terribly happy for chunks of last year, and they got belted in a grand final, lest we forget. Yeah. So, so... And a grand final that they were in up to their eyeballs at you know midway through the third quarter. So it was seventeen points up. Yeah, yeah, a crazy grand final. Like it's it's worth going back to. You you wouldn't when you saw the scoreboard, but it's worth going back to. Just a great grand final. Um, they are they they project to be one of the teams if it clicks could be so so dominant. Um. As you say, agile big men. I don't think they can play in the forward line, um, but yeah, I think wits of Jamari Hagen last year that that genuinely say. I mean, the, um, the, the winner against Melbourne, we kick five, oh, but just the way, just the, the the circumstances of the last goal, the winning goal, yeah. mm. um, was just like okay, that, that's everything you want to see. Exactly right. Exactly. That's the very game I was going to reference. And the, the way that five beautiful goals and the last one was the best of the lot and had Buddy all over it, you know. Yeah. Not the the comparison's been there the whole way along. I don't know, that's not fair on the kid. Um but he he, he projects as someone who, who could be that that super special, like whether it's Jeremy Cameron or 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 Buddy or you know, whoever you like, but you know, rangy left footed like key position type with this huge leap. Um, does he arrive completely arrive this year? Sam Darcy is the one they never shut up about as just being this absolute freak, um, 208 centimeter and still growing like courageous in the air. Like yeah, it could be anything. Um, you know, we've never questioned the mids and Tim English is sort of coming off a very good year, um, mm. you know, and some concussions and stuff, but has threatened the comp. So I've got them higher than you've got them. Um, but within that, I, you know, my two coaches most under pressure are, are Bevo and Hinckley. Because, yeah, when you said that, I, I when you said that, I thought the other one's Beveridge. Yeah. yeah. I, like he had a very awkward, you know, he was very, he was angry in some press conferences and said some things that he regretted. Yeah. And the, the um, whole blow up after, was it, was it after round one or after round two with Tom Morris? And then it all got, yeah. that all sort of got, it got this, this tsunami of stuff about the a bigger story about Tom Morris sort of mm. two days later, no one's talking about beverages behavior in that press conference. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I remember. I, I think I tweeted at the time that 
I, w- I would have been positive that Morris had 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 that cold. Mm. Uh, but you know, then then this other story emerged and that overtook that, and and probably fairly enough. But Beveridge sort of got a pass for that. They they. My problem with Beveridge as a coach is they 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 remain incredibly flaky. Yeah. 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 I mean. 20 minutes into that final against Fremantle last year, that that game was over. Yeah. And they just they have they seem to have an inability to to just stop a run when when it, when it starts getting downhill for the other team. Well, what about no top four finishes under Beveridge? That's the other remarkable thing coming into season nine with yeah, a that's, team that's won a flag and made it four. That's a flaky team. Yeah, but he. You know, if he was given the opportunity to defend himself against, you know, if the the Bulldogs board came in and said, you know, sing for your supper, why should we keep you in the job? Um, he, his argument would be, well, I don't need to be top four. I'm yeah, that's right. I, I'm responsible for fifty percent of the premierships around this place, mm. um, and fifty percent of the grand finals. You know, there are yeah, the the list of. Bulldogs coaches in their histories have coached them to two grand finals is Luke Beveridge. Yep. Uh, um, and some some of the most incredible performances in the history of finals football from a team in that in that group. Um, the GWS Bulldogs game is still one of the best six or seven games I've ever seen. Mm. Um, the destruction of Port Adelaide in 2021. Um, and for two and a half quarters in that grand final, they were absolutely at the level required, and then Melbourne just went into another stratosphere, um, which is sort of why, I've, you know, I think I've had them top four before in the last couple of years, and they always seem to, you know, on paper, identify and adequately address a list need. Um, but they remain flaky. They remain a team that, you know, we, we've turned up our toes our last two years against against the Bulldogs at really vital times in our season. And I will still absolutely go into round two when we play the Bulldogs this year, St Killer, thinking we can win this game because mm. it's entirely, it's almost entirely re- relying on which Bulldogs turns up. Mm. So mm. if you get them in the right part of the season on the right week, they're, you know, they're gettable. They can be four or five goals down against Hawthorne. Um, they can, they can, lose to some very poor teams, but then you get them another week and they're absolute world beaters. So if they arrive, they'll stop being flaky. But the reason Bevo's under pressure, despite getting this contract, which which in theory they've doubled down on Beveridge as their man, is that if they're going poorly, I don't think he'll handle it very well. Um he'll make and, things worse. Yeah, he'll make things worse. And and there there has been a bit of talk around um how things are run internally at that club and, and, and just different things that go on there. Um, I, yeah, I, I think if either the dogs or port have an ordinary start with the coaching merry-go-round will start pretty early, but I've got the dogs as a team that, that I believe can click um, and, and it can all happen very quickly. Who is playing a team different? this season in round one than last year. We've, I mean, Melbourne are playing the Bulldogs. That's the same. Richmond, Carlton, Hawthorne, Essendon. It seems like all the same teams. Um, <laughs> who did Collingwood have in round one last we year? We played you. We played you. you so we, no, we've got I tried to forget that. 
Um, <laughs> okay, I've got Carlton in fifth. I don't want to do any analysis. It's just time. Hurry up. I'm not going to. I should just press a button and play whatever I said about them last year and the year before. <laughs> um, Acres is Acres is a really nice addition. That's a really nice piece to add. Mm, mm. Um, because he sort of plays the wing, and he's a wingman, but he sort of plays it like no one else does. Um, anymore, he sort of he sort of reminds me of Stephen Stretch. Um, high marking, and obviously Acres is a bit, is a, a, a like a mark of the year perennial aerialist, but Akers is tall. He's got that rake and kick. Um, and if he can, he's the sort of guy who doesn't need a lot of the ball to make an impact. Um, it's not how we see wingmen nowadays. Um, again, they, they, they just seem to have, the, the outs of Carlton this year seem to be a whole bunch of guys who were never going to make it anyway. Um, and they haven't added a lot. But again, like some other teams, the the improvement should come. Then the question mark is over whether their midfield is deep enough to cover early season injuries. Um, well, that's right. And the preseason showed that they they really want Paddy Cripps running around, um, yeah. who who had a season out of the box after after a couple of years where we worried whether he'd ever be that player again. Um, pretty dependent on him. Uh, and their their A grade midfield mix. The other question on Carlton is 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 tactically, you know, um, and we'll get the, they remind me a lot of Melbourne um, in the way that they play footy. And that if they if they're getting the ball out of the middle, um, and and they're on top of you from that point of view, then they're going to put eight goals on in a quarter and just destroy you. Did um, I see correctly? Did Mark Robinson have Charlie Curnow at number one in his top 50? Is that right? Is that something that happened? Well, I, oh, I wasn't I hallucinating. I don't know, but... Maybe uh, I was just so upset that no one's top 50 has Jack Sinclair. Um, no. Nobody's. So, break out Jack Steele or Rowan Marshall. There was two normal ones, but just like, you can't put the best halfback flanker in the competition in your best 50. Mm. Um. Perno at one. Well, he's, he's not the, the best ball forward at Carlton. No, he's definitely got the potential to be number one. Some of the stuff he does is is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, when as I say, when they're breaking out of the guts and looking a million bucks, when their A game is is going well, they're as good as there is. They they devastate teams. But last year, you know. Part, I thought part of the genius of of McRae was was finding a way to without a team that could win a clearance we couldn't win a clearance all year but we could blunt the effectiveness of a Carlton clearance or a Melbourne clearance and we beat them both twice um, and that was the key to beating both of those teams so if the Blues figured out something they can do if they're not winning it out of the guts that will be the test of whether they're a premiership side. Because teams will just... It's probably a test of whether Voss is a better coach now than he was at Brisbane. Exactly right. But he's he's got the cattle to to make this team have a number of different ways they can kill you. It's a great team on paper. It's a really, really strong side. Because they're not a system team. They're, as in, Voss doesn't coach, doesn't seem to coach them or talk about 
you know, we got beat strategically after a game of football if they get beat. He talks about consistency of effort and intent. Mm. It's very much reminiscent of the football that Michael Voss was. Mm. Um, but maybe Carlton's problem is they don't have a plan B. Well, that that is their pro- that was their problem in twenty two. So mm. you know they 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 had games where one quarter was enough, eight goals in a quarter, fifty points up, and then the other team would just start eating into that margin. And could they hold on? They had so many games like that, so many games where where you know they could absolutely blitz you, and they could still lose that same game. Um, they've got to figure out what else they can do, and and. You know, especially if the one was taken away by injury. So if if Cripps and Walsh and Hewitt and those guys aren't there, you know, then um, then they're in big trouble. And and if they are there, on what are they going to do about it? I should just move them to ninth, shouldn't I? <laughs> well, I, I I have them fifth as well. So yeah, fair enough. Let 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 me on the record. I I outside of people who break for Collingwood and Essendon, I enjoyed what happened to Carlton at the end of last season as much as <laughs> that was, that was good fun. Um, but yeah, they've got to, they, they've got to figure out how to win games when their one was not working or, or is blunted. Um, two of my top four teams I wrote off last season. Um, I'm not going to apologize. Um, but they're back in my top four. One of them is Richmond in fourth. Um, Obviously, back in finals last season, and somehow um, they were able to add um, Jacob Hopper and Tim Taranto, mm. um, who who needs a draft class when you bring in those two guys. <laughs> it's like an instant midfield. Um, I look at their outs, um, and... In terms of performance last season, I don't think they're really going to miss anything. So it's can, you know, Hopper and Taranto at the coal face playing Richmond brand footy, um, which you always feel is, you always have that sneaky feeling that they're, they're, they're gettable, but tends to stand up under the most fiercest pressure. Um, whether that satisfactorily accommodates for what will be you would imagine another step lower in terms of performance from their aging stars. No, and they also have, you know, I mean, it is conceivable that someone like um, Gibkiss will be better this season if he gets, when he gets on the park. And and, and you've also got um, Noah Bolter. Noah, you've got Bolter who could be better, but they've got the best midfielder forward in the competition last year in Shea Bolton, and he could be better again this season. Yeah, and there's another fellow who could be better um, if he's happy. Um, yeah. Arguably the greatest we've seen. So they're, they're a huge watch. Um, I don't have them, as, um, but I understand why there's all that noise. I think if those two guys are going to play, I think that takes longer than one off gel. Um, Richmond haven't been a clearance team at any stage through their uh, this era. So, um, you know, adding two clearance guys is a bit of a shake-up um, for a team like that, tactically. Um, and I think they're still... They still probably do rely on 
Um, Grimes, who's just started to show a little bit that his powers are waning. Um, yeah. Uh, Jack Rewald, you know, Tom Lynch had a had an incredible year, but um, but Rewald, you know, didn't. Um, and and if that if that fades a little more, then I don't know. You know, I don't know whether they can go with, you know, Hawkins and Cameron, Kerno and um, and McKay. You know, I think it, it could just be Lynch by himself. Um, and yeah, there's there's enough about. I, I think they're going to win enough games, but they threw a bunch of games away last year, and they they were sort of. Um, Back to the Richmond of old a little bit with some of the some of the games they lost. They had this this beautiful passage to to finishing you know maybe even top four um, it, from the middle of last year onwards. People were sort of saying, "Oh, Rich, don't worry about Richmond. They're going to be they're going to be right there when it counts." Yeah, and they and just they kept dropping an odd game, just keeping oh, arms length from that spot. Yeah, some shocking losses, some yeah. really really horrible you know mental lapses. Um, and uh, you know that they've just been there enough times that that they did know, that in 2017 a bit in. too. They turned it. They turned that around mid-season. They had a, like two or three of those losses in a row. In the yeah, I remember. 2017 turned it, yeah. It's not. It is worth repeating his name, as much as I, I don't really like him. Um, Tom Lynch was the best tall forward in the competition last season. Yeah, well, you know, he was, if he he played was the definitively whole in that mix. For yeah, if he played the whole season, he would have won the Coleman and he would have won it by a few goals. So yeah. um, he's at the peak of his powers and I don't I don't see a decline from him coming anytime soon. So, no. yeah, I think, I think the point about whether the, their midfield balance and focus has shifted because of who they brought in, but I, I feel like Hopper and Taranto are just... They just got around to replacing the clearances they would have got with Martin and Cochin when they were winning premierships. So um, the worrying thing for them on the weekend was Presti got hurt again. Um, mm. Continues to be criminally underrated. You can't rely uh, on you can't rely on Prestia or Cochin or Grimes or Rewalt anymore. And so yeah. is is what's underneath that. Um, the highest quality and will they yep. still have the spread that they need um yeah they're, they're a watch we've now reached the part of the my letter where it's like the, every one of these descriptions of the two teams that i haven't got top is like you're wonderful but just the teams above you are better <laughs> um in terms of finishing a home and away season and spot so in third i've got melbourne mm-hmm. um <laughs> sneakily brought in Brody grundy Lockie hunter and josh shackey um, Shaky mm. might not play that much. Um, he's been a little vocal um, in suggesting he didn't get much of a chance at the Bulldogs. Um, I think I think the hype on Grundy and Gorn is just a little overblown, um, especially considering Grundy is replacing Luke Jackson, who wasn't great last season but was exceptional in 2021. Um, Lockie Hunt is the one that just makes me want to break something. Um, the fact that they would pick him up for not very much at all. Was it a future second? Mm. Um, he's just a building block guy. And, you know, just, I would just love to have a bloke like that at St Kilda. Just, you just plug him in your midfield and he just links and you just, oh, he got 32 possessions again. I, you know, it just, 
it annoys me that and and it the, the same will go for I mean this is this is the thing all these top four teams that I've got left played finals last season were really good teams and then were just able to add peak midfielders with absolutely nothing going the other direction in terms of list capital going out really mm. so that annoys me no end I think Melbourne are going to win the Premiership. Um, but I've got them third on my home and away ladder. And at some stage of the season, we will we will find out whether, and it might be really early, although I think if, if Melbourne are smart and if they can control it, you know, and you can't always turn the switch, the switch off and on. But at some stage in the season, Melbourne are going to look like a team. It'll be some little story like, oh, they're not singing the song after games. Um, you hear a story like that, you know, it's 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 over. We know that this we know that they can win a premiership. We know that they're good enough. It's a question of whether they've got all their ducks in a row mentally and form wise to do it. They've got the they've got the talent. There's no question about that. It's a Melbourne question like attitude Melbourne. and intent. Yeah, exactly right. Melbourne, Melbourne are a, like a horse that started a dollar one and a cock. You know, something went wrong on the day. Yeah. Um, the, at round ten last year, they were unbackable for the flag. I um, did, did. Did I have Melbourne smell like Geelong away? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I think I did. Well, I think Melbourne now smell like Geelong and nine. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. They're, like, they unbackable for the flag at round 10, and it all went absolutely uh, tits up from that point forward. The 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 restaurant dust-up, um, Petraka and broken thumb, and a Petraka, like, what did he have? Like a, a busted leg and, like... He played through it. I reckon May, like, uh, Gorn was hobbled. May was about the only one of their stars that was still playing good footy, and he was playing great footy. Um, and he had to because he, he sort of owed them for the locker room kind of madness. Um, they've just got to right the ship because, you know, I, I do think uh, um, the Duck No Dinner quote was was interesting <laughs> um, before that, that second time we played Melbourne and rolled them again. Because that's what Melbourne were doing. They were they were banking on being able to click with their centre square stuff, similar to Carlton, and they weren't really worrying too much about uh, the other clubs in their kit. And um, I I just I feel like them. And this is the other interesting thing. I've been I've been listening to a little bit of SCN track on a Saturday, which is. Um, not not necessarily advisable. Uh, it's it's quite chaotic, but I, I enjoy taking it in. Josh Jenkins is a part of the team assistant coach or ruck coach down at Geelong. Um, and in referencing uh, Grundy and Gorn, who he felt um, Melbourne would be able to make work, he was just sort of saying, you know, why is everyone talking about one of them needing to play in the forward line? And, like, I, I thought it was such a, a good point um, because I think... Uh, Grundy and Gorn can both mark the ball pretty well behind the ball. Um, they're probably more naturally suited to that. Um, and the way Geelong used their Ruckman last year, now neither Gorn nor Grundy is that same mould of footballer. You know, your, your blitz halves and this 
crazy running capacity and this and that, but they can make those guys a strength, uh, I think, definitively. Uh, I, I'm not backing Melbourne for the flag because they've recruited Brody Grundy, but I think they can make that work, and I think they can throw some different looks at teams and and and, and be the best side in the competition. I agree. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if any one of the three teams I've got at the top win the Premiership, but I think they're probably... I think they're probably the three best chances. Richmond can't be discounted. Do, do I really think Carlton can win the Premiership? Not at a push. The Bulldogs could, but the Bulldogs could finish seventh and win the Premiership. Um, history tells us Sydney, Fremantle and Collingwood won't. Um, so I've got Melbourne third. I've got Brisbane second. They finally did what we always wanted them to do last year. Um, which was, instead of being the team that gets beaten the final by the lower-ranked team, they became the team that won a final as the lower-ranked team. Um, and I just think those, getting dusted up in the preliminary final just doesn't sit with you as long as the ground. I think history also bears that out. But I've come in and they've added Will Ashcroft, who's just getting absolute rave reviews as just being absolutely ready to play. Um. Josh Dunkley and Jack Gunston. Yeah. And then right at the end, they bring in Connor McKenna um, for a team that, you know, they, they, a lot of things pop into your mind when you think of Brisbane, but runoff halfback's probably not one of them. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of talent out the door. McStay was a very, very good AFL footballer, and still is, and will be very valuable at Collingwood. Um, everything you want in a non-marquee tall forward. Um, Barry and Robinson were um, were depth by the by the end of the year, but they also brought in Jasper Fletcher at the number twelve draft pick. So mm-hmm. um, just a whole lot of talent in. And but regardless of that, I feel like they were able last year by by coming to Melbourne and beating the D's in that final after being Richmond to be like, okay, now we belong. Now this is where we're supposed to be. And now it's now is the time, you know. I think I think the premiership clock in Brisbane's mind is at midnight, as in now is the time to have the genuine crack. I think Brisbane's problem is they run in, they run into a, a situation where um, there are other teams that can win the premiership. It's going to be bloody hard. Yeah, I, look, I, I agree with with most of what you said, and I think that they 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 have got better on paper. But I still is that Brisbane try and beat you with beyond talent. Um, I don't know what their identity is. I know that they're, you know, I know, I believe Fagan is a very um, a football person and, and, and brings that footy club together. But I don't know how Brisbane, I don't know what Brisbane um you know they don't. They don't. It, there's no cluster. There's no. Um, I don't know. Like lock the ball in. Clear identity that that Brisbane play in my mind and in my view that will have any of the other teams around them, even though they match them for talent, uh, as worried as they might be if there was if there was a bit of tactical nous coming at them. If there was a, a, dif- a different look, they might throw at you. I mean, until the next thing comes arrives, I sort of I feel like the Richmond might be the last team to have a distinct strategic style. 
See, no, but I, I would say move the ball on at all costs, regardless of cleanliness. But there are the ball up the ground. Yes, but following that suit, like Collingwood's following that suit and, and um, you know, played that kind of footy last year and teams knew it was coming and they still couldn't stop it. And um, Melbourne, when they're playing this Blitzkrieg centre square footy and, and utilising the 6-6-6 better than, than any other side we've seen, and and um, Geelong, who can sort of cut you up a million different ways, um, that they'll, they'll throw, like... Uh, the same guy into every position on the field, essentially. You, 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 there's a million different looks that Geelong can throw at you. And there's like guys, guys, like all of them, like are essentially making it up as they go along, but, but with so much trust within that footy club that Geelong just cut you up a billion different ways. They're, they're fascinating to watch. I think there's more identity in the teams around Brisbane than there is at Brisbane. And I think that's long been the criticism of Fagan that that while you, you can't knock the bloke for the way he galvanises teams and that they all love him and he's everyone's dad, this and that, that that um, that perhaps what's required at that footy club is is you know a, a ridiculous football brain directly underneath him, um, or alongside him, or you know whatever that ends up looking like. So, because I think Fagan's method is just if we keep getting better at football basics, then we'll knock these teams off. Um, but they're not; they haven't revolutionised the game. They're just they've added more talent. And so I've gone from being a massive Brisbane uh, fan to thinking they'll they'll give us a bit more of the same. And until they've done it, they haven't done it. Fair enough. Third um, leave Geelong. Can I have a massive whinge? Yeah. Because, you know, no one who does a break for Geelong should have taken any pleasure in last year's premiership. Um, but if they didn't take any pleasure in the premiership, they certainly should not have taken pleasure in the premiership team adding Jack Bowes, Tanner Broon, Ollie Henry, and the number eight pick, Jai Kark, who everyone is describing as a Joel Selwood clone. But it's just, okay, Selwood's gone. He's the he's the only player of um, any substance from last season's premiership who they've lost, and they brought in much more midfield depth and only Henry who could be anything um, at a point where they're probably going to want to start to move away from a Tom Hawkins centric forward line. You know, considering everything and everywhere that Jeremy Cameron can be and can do. Um, at a time when they might want to be moving Cameron closer to goal to pre- prolong his career. So it just, it, 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 this, it, it, there should have been a higher price to pay for Geelong to bring that last season. Yep. They were just able, it was, it's all, it's almost all additive except for the retirement of Selwood. So, and they, 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 they won the premiership and they haven't lost, you know, when, the last time they lost the game, Scott Morrison was prime minister. <laughs> Um, it, it's what did they win 13, 16 straight. Last two games just absolutely going away. Um, yeah, there was a point in the last quarter of the last year's grand final when you know it looked like 100 points was on offer, and um, Sydney were able to get a couple back late, but we're just still waiting for the cliff. 
because if anything, considering who they brought in the cliffs further away now than it was last year, and they yeah. were the best team in the competition last year. Yes, yeah, in the back half of last year, absolutely. Um, I don't, I, I'm not betting on Geelong to win the flag, but everything you've said is right. Um, and it sucks, you know, it sucks as a, as a, a supporter of another club, but I've, I've come to a point where you, I just have to take my hat off to them. That this is the, the ultimate way to, you know, like they, they realized the strength that they had in, in, in that part of the world. Um, and at the point that they realized it and, and, and got their recruiting pitch in order, um, and, and, and built that team full of people who were happy to come back and, uh, you know, play for Geelong and play for less money and keep the group together and this and that. Um, it's just a remarkable era down there. Um, and it looks set to continue, but, um, um, unfortunately for Ollie Henry, um, he'll be playing on Braden Maynard in round one. <laughs> we will never see him again. That's it. It's over. He's going to end his it's career. Over. Yeah, well, just with meaningful tackle and some choice words. And I'm not 100% sure that Ollie Henry really wants that to happen. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, he, he's he's not overly defensively minded. He's not overly physical. And I think Braden Maynard is really looking forward to that very moment. And even if we get beat, I think Collingwood supporters will be looking forward to it too. I think I think Cameron is a little bit bitter. That um, and fair enough too. Um, okay, so we've gone through all the teams. I'll go. I'll, I'll repeat my ladder from from the bottom. Uh, I've got the Hawks last, West Coast in second last. Then North Melbourne sixteen, Essendon fifteen, Adelaide fourteen, GWS thirteen, St Kilda twelve. Port Adelaide 11, Gold Coast 10, Collingwood 9, then the top eight, Fremantle 8, Sydney 7th, Bulldogs 6th, Carlton 5th, Richmond 4th, Melbourne 3rd, Brisbane 2nd, Geelong 1st. I've got Melbourne winning the Premiership and Marcus Bothapelli winning the Brown Line. Um, CJ, Cameron, your your um, your uh, ladder from... Bottom to top, I've got yep. Hawthorne in 18th and 16th, Essendon at 15th. So we were the same to that point. Yep. I've got St Kilda in 14th, Adelaide in 13th, GWS in 12th, yep. Gold Coast in 11th, Frio at 10, Port 9, Richmond at 8, Sydney at 7, Carlton, uh, sorry, Collingwood at 6, Carlton at 5, Brisbane at 4, Geelong at 3, the Dogs at 2 as um, a pretty serious contender. Uh, and Melbourne to finish top and win the. There we go. And an early, early call for Brownlow. Yeah, I probably would have gone Bont as well. So if I can't have Bont, I will go uh, Brayshaw. Yeah, I would have thought with the Melbourne blokes finishing um, top that one of those two would be also a reasonably safe bet. Um, certainly Absolutely. to have in your, in your place bets either Oliver or. Um, Petrarca, who looked yeah, pretty pretty close to mid-season form in that match simulation against us, um, it'll be a long season. We'll, we will we will get together and talk footy at some stage during the season, a couple of times in the middle of the season, um, just to check in on things. But um, we got through it. We're uh, we're getting close to two hours, so congratulations for making it all the way through. Just to hear that we had you know that. <laughs> who exactly who you'd expected the pointy end. Um, Cameron, always a pleasure. Good on you, punter.
No worries. And we will catch you next time on the podcast. It should go without saying.